Scooter Jeanette hit as many home runs in one game as Xander Bogarts and Dustin Pedroia have combined to hit for the entire season. Think about that. And if you're hiring, you got to try ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Oh, Scooter. Scooter the striker. Yeah, Scooter McGavin yesterday. He was uh, four home runs. Has there ever been a less fantasy-relevant four-homer game in baseball history? You know, I actually, I was actually reading about this on MLB.com this morning, and it's pretty clear Scooter Jeanette is the worst player <laughs> to hit four home runs in a game. There've, there've only been 17 four homer games in all of Major League history. The, the fewer of those than perfect games. So this is, uh, wow. Th- it was, it was kind of upsetting, actually. Upsetting. <laughs> seeing that Scooter Jeanette had four home runs because it's just so, such a, a big departure from expectation to the point of upsetting me. <laughs> like it, it throws off the order of things that much. And, uh, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know what else to say about it. What, what were you, Scooter Jeanette's not good. What were you more upset about, Scott? Bartolo Colon going on the DL or Scooter Jeanette hitting four home runs? Like, Bartolo Colon going on the DL is a net benefit. All right. For I my know. team, that's but, a good thing. But it's dishonesty. Like you, you, you <laughs> called them out. You were, you went, sure. When you yeah. replied to the tweet about him going on the DL yeah. with an oblique straight. Right. Well, the the DL stint because the player is just awful isn't anything new to this year. It's not it's not like what the Dodgers are doing, right? Where they're just using it to give their pitchers extra rest, basically, and and to delay the decision of having to kick guys out of the rotation. Well, Brandon so, McCarthy, uh, Brandon McCarthy looks like he's staying in the rotation. He had a great start last night. They, there is so much to get to. Obviously Tanaka, obviously Degrom, obviously Quintana. Um, more, more, you know, struggling studs. Quintana with a decent outing yesterday. We have a lot of injuries to update you on. On a normal day, we'd probably lead with something like Tony Watson struggling again, or, uh, Hector Neris struggling again, and Pete McCannon not committing to Neris as his closer. But that's gonna be a little bit later, because we gotta talk about not only double dongs, but quadruple dongs. Scooter Jeanette is now 11% owned. I'd like to know what he was at yesterday. And it's worth noting Scott Shebler was a defensive replacement last night. So, I again, it's, do we even have to talk about Scooter Jeanette? Like, he's not relevant. We're not picking him up, right? No, I mean, 11% owned is probably appropriate because he does deserve to be owned in NL-only Roto Leagues. You know, he's going to play enough probably to matter at those, but it's not like he's going to even get the Marwin Gonzalez role for the Reds, there's just not room for him. I, I do worry that this performance gives the Reds an excuse to cut into Jose Peraza's at-bats, and if I'm relying on Peraza for steals, that's kind of unpleasant. May cut into other players' at-bats, too, since Jeanette has shown some versatility this year, but he's not going to have a role of his own, uh, and and we, we don't want him to. I mean, we've seen enough of him to know that... Uh, that he's not a productive offensive player normally. Two of those home runs barely cleared the fence at a notorious hitter's park. Granted, his home park, but still, they were not, they were not, uh, monster shots that suggests he's this ridiculous power hitter all of a sudden. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't have much more of a takeaway from it than that. It was just a great game for a guy who uh, now has something to tell his grandkids about. There you go. Congratulations, Scooter Jeanette. Now, we uh, we want to formally welcome you to Wednesday's edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. And I said to myself last night at about 8 o'clock when the games were just starting, uh, as I was putting together the notes, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to put grade the trade pretty high up in the show today. Let's grade some trades early in the show. But yesterday was one of those really, really eventful days so great the trade will be later in the show. Uh we have two new segments today, Scott. Are you excited for two new segments? So d- before I even tell you what they are, are you excited? I love new segments. Okay. Well, here's yeah, what they are. Okay. Segment new segment number 1 is everyone wants to know about catchers. I have compiled oh, a terrible like, segment. 
Five or six emails about catchers, and a lot of them are about Wilson Ramos. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Okay. And then um, the second new segment is comments about raisins. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm I'm up for a little more raisin talk. <laughs> Good. Now we had the quadruple donger. What about the double dongs? Jonathan Scope is now the number eleven second baseman in both points and roto. And as one of our emailers pointed out yesterday, and I think I would have probably figured it out today when I looked at all his stats, but I did, I was really unaware. I didn't look at Scope's stats. Career low strikeout rate, career high <clears throat> career high walk rate. Not to say that it's so great. 11 walks, 40 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 30 instead of 20. But the strikeouts are down at least. 40 strikeouts in 54 games. Um, he had been kind of not necessarily cold, but like lukewarm. Uh, medium temperature for about a month. Scope, and he had two home runs yesterday. And Mark Reynolds, Gerardo Parra's on the DL or going on the DL today. And Mark Reynolds hit two home runs yesterday. Even with those two home runs, only four in his last 24 games and a 250 batting average. But uh, what do you want to say about Scope, top 12 uh, second baseman, and Reynolds, who I'm assuming is a top 12 first baseman this year? Yeah, he still is, even after going uh – that stretch of time, what he hit as many home runs yesterday as in his previous 23 games combined. Reynolds did, so he was slowing down, and I I think he's going to still not maintain the pace he has put together so far this season. I don't view him as a top 12 first baseman long term. Uh, now Scope, Scope may be a top 12 second baseman. He's like, there's enough of a track record of him being productive. We know he hits for power. He's on, like, a 50 doubles pace in addition to the home runs this year. But the lack of walks is is always going to put a cap on his upside because it's it's going to obviously cost him points. In points leagues and in roto leagues, it's going to cost him run scoring opportunities. He's going to be one of those. If he is a top 12 second baseman, I think it'll be in large part because he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. And isn't really going to be like an impact player for your team. You were fine starting him. I mean, he he's a satisfying starter, but he's not a stud. He's number 11 right now at second base in points in Roto. Last year, Scope was 13th in both formats, and he played 162 games. This year, he has played 54 out of 56 games, uh, but he is on a, a better, better home run pace. Of course, you know, it's probably, it was about even, Going into yesterday's game and he hit two homers, uh, has five hits in his last two games. So look, maybe he gets hot. If you just lost Devin Travis and you're in a shallower league, maybe you can pick up Jonathan Scope. He's owning 75% of leagues. Travis, by the way, going on the DL. All right. Those are the hitters that we had to get it, get to at the top of the show. Let's talk about the pitchers email of the day. And by the way, Heath will be on the show tomorrow. Email of the day at fantasy baseball at cbsi.com is from Joe with 10 fingers. Oh. From Boston, and that I have is, ten fingers too, Joe. Do you? Because Heath would say you have eight fingers and two thumbs. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how that works because I have found some reason to believe on the internet that Heath is right. Thumbs aren't technically fingers, but nobody would say humans have eight fingers. I don't think any scientist would say that. So now, yeah, listen, it's it's a strange. Uh, Strange uh, little uh, issue with words there. You just said Heath was right. You are allowed to say that when Heath is not on the podcast. If he's on the podcast, do not say that because then he'll be telling us about fingers and thumbs for the rest of the year. We don't need that. No, we don't need that. Okay. <laughs> he'll keep bringing it up, right? Yeah. John uh, or Joe. Joe from with 10 fingers from Boston. Although I think it might be John and I think I might have just forgot about the N. You know, the end key is actually broken. Uh, uh, doesn't work all the time on my computer. So that is definitely John. Uh, dear Tanaka Dong, Tanaka Dong number two, another freaking Tanaka Dong, and please just put him on the DL to stop all the Tanaka Dongs. <laughs> when you undoubtedly talk about how terrible Tanaka is and if he goes on the DL, which clearly he needs to, is Chance Adams worth a flyer in deep leagues? Any, and okay, well, let's because people are talking about Chance Adams a little bit. Let's just get that out of the way. Do you think um, Chance Adams is a prospect worth stashing? Yankees recently promoted this pitcher to AAA. In deep leagues, yeah, I think he probably has emerged as as next in line for the Yankees. I know um, Chad Green, Joe Girardi said after this game that he's not stretched out anymore, so he wouldn't be an option to start. So they might have to 
dig for for Chance Adams, who has been, you know, he's had crazy numbers in the minors the last two years. A converted reliever, so he hasn't gotten a ton of prospect hype because there's questions of whether he has the durability to start, whether he has the arsenal to start. But you know, in six starts at Double A to begin the year, he had a 103 ERA and about a strikeout per inning. Strikeout rate has only improved at Triple A, where he has a 217 ERA in five innings. Five so innings Chance, or five starts? Five starts. Okay. So Chance Adams, I'm not as excited about stashing pitchers as I am hitters in fantasy normally, but um, he's probably among the top three minor league pitchers. If if I had, you know, if I was looking to stash a minor league pitcher, it's not something you're going to need to do across the board by any means. But he would probably be among the top three. Yeah. Along with who? With Faria? Uh, yeah, Jacob Faria, who's starting today. Is he one? Yes. Yes, I was considering him. I guess he's technically not a minor leaguer anymore because he's already been called up. But, yeah. Uh, he, he has like 11.5 strikeouts at AAA this year. Again, not a not a guy with a big pedigree, but certainly this year the production at, in the minors makes him interesting. And then I would also put Sean Newcomb in that group who is rumored to potentially – be the one to take Bartolo Colon's spot. They have a double header this week in the Braves, so they'll need to call up two pitchers. Matt Wisler is almost certainly going to be one, and then it'll probably be between Lucas Sims, who's had a decent season at AAA, and, and Sean Newcomb, who is the prospect of all the pitchers we've named here, uh, who, the one who has the highest pedigree, but he also has walk issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Braves called him up, yes, I would be excited about adding Sean Newcomb. And uh, in deeper leagues, I'm looking at Adams and Faria as well. Faria and Buck Farmer are actually both starting today. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. Let's talk about the struggling studs. Uh, I put Arietta in here because the season-long numbers aren't great, and he's only pitching six innings now pretty much every time he starts. But Arietta does have a 263 ERA, seven walks, 27 strikeouts in 24 innings over his last four starts. So maybe he's turned things around. Um, so I'm going to assume you're not concerned about Arietta. No, I'm not concerned about Arietta. I wish the walks were lower, but that just may be the new reality with him, and, and the strikeouts are high enough, and I still think the supporting cast is a good one. There's still too many elements in his favor for me not to consider him a top-12 starting pitcher. Okay, then. Would you rather have Arietta or Jacob deGrom after two total duds in a row for deGrom? Yeah, it's 15 earned runs in those two starts. It's been ugly, and it's actually made his ERA higher than Arietta's for the year. All the all the worrying we've done over Arietta suddenly Degrom's numbers look worse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough call. It's about a coin flip for me now. It doesn't look like anything is wrong physically with Degrom. He's still throwing as hard. Uh, they think it's you know just something something wacky's going on with his command. Yeah, but. When you're like he's, I, I don't know that you can start him the next turn he makes, and I don't know that we ever reached a point that low with Arietta. Well, he's a two-star pitcher this week, so we'll get another one this weekend. But if you're in a daily league, you know you might have to make that decision. I, the good thing about sometimes daily leagues is like if he's going to start on Sunday, Degrom, I'm gonna. I might know if I have WHIP, ERA, strikeouts, quality starts. Like I might know if I need counting stats or ratios. And if I'm already yeah. going to lose the ratios or if I have them locked up, I might just go ahead and start them. So you, you might be able to make your decision in that regard. But I Let's don't know. See who he's who he's facing later this week is the Cubs. So <laughs> that makes it even harder. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This really stinks because he threw 118 pitches in a great start two starts ago. And then Grom's been terrible since. And I t- we talked about the pitch counts yesterday. I, it is a little worrisome to me. And Ugh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's like what I can't. I'm not. I don't have a crystal ball, I, and I don't know how much the pitch count affected him. But it just seemed a little reckless. And oh god, I can't wait to rant about John Farrell and what he did yesterday. That you talk about reckless. The most <laughs> reckless thing I've seen so far this year. Uh, all right. So you you still think Degrom is about top twelve? Yes, I would. I would keep him in my top twelve. He is not. The clear fifth guy anymore, though. Like I, I've maintained he was this year. And wait, is this? Is it? You know what? Hmm. 
I'm trying to think if that's even true anymore, if that was even true before this start, because there's there's obviously Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale. Those are the clear top three in some order. And then Keuchel. Kluber and Granke and Keuchel. I would I would have them all ahead of DeGrom. And then, and then things start to get a little questionable. All righty. And what about Tanaka? Are you going to drop Masahiro Tanaka? The Yankees, have, by the way, they've not said that they're going to skip him in the rotation or anything like that. But would you drop Tanaka? They didn't, they didn't deny it either. No. Um. But they, they've also maintained he's healthy, so DL stint would be kind of awkward at this point. I would not drop Tanaka except in you know, a crazy shallow league where there was actually some chance he wouldn't get picked up. But I, I still have confidence he's going to turn things around and, and be a reliable option for somebody, and you'd rather it be you, especially if the cost is just another bench option, you know, just, just stash him on your bench, wait until he has two good starts in a row, and then you can start him. Did you start him this week in the auction league, Tanaka? In the auction league? I, I did not. I almost did. Oh, wow. But I, it would, it would mean starting two closers instead of three. And at the last minute, I changed my mind to bench Tanaka because, I didn't think the upside was worth the downside in a categories league like that. I still probably started him in any points league where I owned him. Well, I hope since I'm trying to catch up to you in that league, I hope the closer that you started was Tony Watson, but I, it probably wasn't. It wasn't. It was Cody Allen. So. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, well he didn't do anything yesterday, Scott. Idiot. <laughs> Did better than Tanaka. Though. <laughs> uh, so it's, I love. I'm looking at your rankings here. This is really interesting because you have three of the four struggling starting pitchers, and I mean, you can say what you want about Quintana. I'm pretty sure Quintana left with the bases loaded in the sixth inning, and they got out of the jam. So the line could have looked even worse. But he gave up one run. He walked four. He struck out seven. They were pretty encouraged in five and a third. They were pretty encouraged. By Quintana yesterday, the quotes were good after the game, but the line could have been a lot worse. And then Marco Estrada has had two bad starts in a row. One terrible against the Yankees. Yesterday, more like conventional, just sort of bad. Five and two-thirds, four runs, but eight strikeouts to one walk at Oakland. Of course, we know the A's strike out a ton. So your rankings right now, and they're not updated, your rankings right now, number 23, Marco Estrada, number 24, Jose Quintana, number 25, Masahiro Tanaka, Number 26, Robbie Ray, who is now like a top eight starting pitcher and mm. just had a great home start for the first time. It was a little predictable because it was against the Padres. Uh, you've got Estrada, Quintana, Tanaka, Robbie Ray, back to back to back to back, like Scooter Jeanette. Uh, 23 <laughs> through 26 in your rankings. How do you feel about that order? Estrada, Quintana, Tanaka, Ray. I think Ray is going to move to the front of that list after... And how many dominant starts in a row is this for him? Three or four? four. Five? Uh, I don't know. I, I liked him coming into the year with all the strikeouts, and he's only gotten better as this year's gone on. So he is, I think he's definitively among the standout pitchers now, which is a group of about 25, about into this range. Um, but that's probably just just moving Ray ahead of Estrada and Quintana, that's probably as far down as I'm going to move those two. Tanaka's going to drop even further than that, probably, because he is just unusable right now. And the others I'd be fine with. I mean, we've seen enough of these blips from Estrada over the years. The strikeouts have remained high. You know, I just think it's a bad two-start stretch and nothing more for him, nothing that gives me long-term concerns. Quintana, I was kind of... He and Tanaka were kind of in the same boat for me heading into this game. I think they're more or less fine and just having some location issues. So since Quintana had more or less a good start, I'm willing to leave him where he is. But Tanaka, I'm probably going to have to move him. Let's see. I have Samarja 34th, Manaya 35th. He'll be behind those two. Irvin Santana Um, 40. How about that? Yeah, I'd rather have Irvin Santana. Ooh. And there's the cluster of Bumgarner, Hamels, Duffy, all the injured pitchers right there. So Tanaka's probably going to move to about 42nd or 43rd, which is where I have Ivan Nova and Eduardo Rodriguez and Danny Salazar right after that. That sounds like the appropriate range for Tanaka. Um, 
Rodriguez and Salazar, of course, having a lot of upside themselves, but big questions like Tanaka as to how soon you're going to be able to take advantage of it. So would you take Matt Shoemaker or Tanaka? I would still take Tanaka. Yeah, it's very strange with Tanaka. The velocity is fine. He just has no stuff. Like His splitter ain't splitting, his slider ain't sliding. He's got nothing out there. And he's given up how many home runs? 17 home runs in 66 innings. He gave up 22 home runs in 199 and two-thirds last year. 17 home runs in 66 innings so far. He's got absolutely nothing right now. Um, so if if you do want to buy low on him, you're st- you're sitting him for a little while. And those are your struggling studs. By the way, Danny Salazar, Danny Salazar is on the DL. And also, if you want to be inspired by pitching, take a look at Scott's rankings, 37 through 44 right now. It's going to change. But let's talk about how many of them are on the DL. Noah Syndergaard, <laughs> Madison Bumgarner, Cole Hamels, Danny Duffy, Eduardo Rodriguez, Danny Salazar, and maybe Yvonne Nova, who left with a knee injury yesterday. So in <laughs> from 37 to 44, that's eight pitchers. You've got one healthy one, Irvin Santana. How about that? Yeah, and and it's no it's no coincidence that they're all clustered together like that. That's kind of the line of demarcation for pitchers I trust and pitchers I don't trust. Obviously now Tanaka falling out of that falling out of the circle of trust. Oh, the circle of trust. You a meet the parents fan? Yeah, the first one was tremendous. Great. Yeah, such a good movie. Yeah. Okay. We don't have to get in, into that. What we do have to get into, though, is ZipRecruiter. If you want to win in fantasy, you need a strong roster. And if you want a successful company, you need the same thing. You need top talent. And where do you find that? At ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Think of ZipRecruiter, people, as the waiver wire for your business, only more efficient. You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click, and then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position, and that's why ZipRecruiter's different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes all around the country. Our listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Your news and notes, Scott White. Jacob Faria is going to start against the White Sox. Not a hard thrower from what I saw from a minor league video that I watched this morning. No. Um, Great changeup, though. All right. I like that. Really? The arm action is very similar on the fastball and changeup, so that's why he's racking up strikeouts in the minors. And he's pitching for the Rays today against the White Sox. Jacob Faria. Buck Farmer is pitching for the uh, Tigers today against the Angels. In his last start, 11 strikeouts in six and a third scoreless innings at the White Sox. And that's who Faria faces today. Who would you be more interested in picking up, Faria or Buck Farmer? Faria, I think there's... I think he's better, first of all, and I think there's a clearer opportunity for him to stick if he does well. I would guess neither of these two stick. They both have a chance of sticking. I mean, the the Tigers, if if Buck Farmer goes out and dominates again, they could easily kick, um, which Norris is a Daniel. Yeah. Daniel Norris out of the rotation. Uh, So did they already kick Matt Boyd out of the rotation? What is the deal with Matt Boyd? I, I don't recall seeing him starting. <laughs> I thought he started oh. over the weekend. Man, sometimes baseball games, they just sort of blend together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, either one of them, if they haven't kicked Boyd out yet. Oh, they, they, they did. Make... They optioned Boyd to AAA on June 2nd. Okay. <laughs> Gone but not forgotten. Um, <laughs> oh, he's forgotten, apparently. <laughs> I would be keeping a very close eye on both of these pitchers. I'm, I didn't add either of them, Faria or Farmer, in any standard mixed league, but deeper leagues, um, I went ahead and, and preempted the potential rush to the waiver wire. I'm guessing neither one of them dominates to the extent you'd need to be an instant add, but there's a chance. Like, would you drop, let's say right now, before they even start, would you drop a Mike Fultonevich for them? Fultonevich, who's coming off a great start, but he does this, you know, he teases. 
He does tease. I think just because, like, the kind of start he just had is would be a dream for either Farmer or Faria at this <laughs> point. So no, I don't. I don't think that's that's below the threshold of where I could make that move. How about Skoglin? Would you drop Skoglin for them? Yes, and we actually did that in the podcast oh, for the People League. That's right. We picked up Faria. So do you prefer Faria to Farmer? Yes, okay. I do. All Farmer. Right. Farmer has been bad in every opportunity he's gotten except for the very last one, and he hasn't even had a great minor league season, so still a lot of skepticism there. But I I did watch that start against the White Sox, and his stuff looked really good. So there's, like, I feel like I should know better, but <laughs> at the same time, I, I am interested in Farmer, just not to the extent I am for Rhea. We still have to get to guys like Chase Anderson and uh, all the bullpen news. And Cole Calhoun is hot. He's got uh, four home runs in his last seven games and raisins. And I want to thank Matt Colley for asking in an email this morning about Faria and Buck Farmer, inspiring me to ask Scott White about it today. Thank you, Matt. All right, the rest of your news and notes. Here we go. Ivan Nova left with knee inflammation. He has dealt with knee pain recently, so... Could be a DL stint. We'll see with Ivan Nova. Jonathan VR sat again. Eric Sogard led off, went two for four with a double. I don't think we're buying Sogard. This is a hot streak. He has been a bad hitter, but uh, it's not good for VR and Arcia for that, for what that's worth. Uh, Gene Segura will sign a five-year, $70 million contract extension with the Mariners, and he might not have that long of a DL stint, by the way. But Adrian Beltre could be, go back on the DL. He sprained his ankle. We'll call him day-to-day for now. Adrian Beltre with an ankle sprain. Gerardo, walking boots. So. Yeah, that's never good. Gerardo Parra going on the DL with a quad strain. Devin Travis is on the DL with a bone bruise in his knee. Does that feel long-term to you for Devin Travis? Bone bruises can be tricky. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm not expecting a minimal stay there. Danny Salazar on the DL with a sore shoulder, but it almost feels to me like they're just doing this to stretch him out. Salazar? Possibly, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Bartolo Colon DL, oblique strain. Justin Bohr on the DL with a bone bruise in his ankle, which is exactly what Greg Bird has had, and Bird's been out forever, but they say Bohr could be back in 10 days. So we will see. Did you see, Justin Bohr got picked up in our auction league today. I, I didn't, he Ryan Zimmerman me. I didn't know he was available. Did you know that Justin Bohr was available? Yes, I did. I had a big claim in for him. Are you, not, I didn't check. Not big enough. Nope, he went for no. 16 bucks. Oh no! I have you know my initial bid was seventeen. No lie, I lowered it to twelve once he went on the DL. I would have gone more than sixteen. I didn't even see it. Damn it! Oh, <laughs> oh well. So Justin Bohr is now on another roster. Uh, Nelson Cruz left with calf tightness. That could be bad. Mitch Haniger started a rehab assignment. The Mets are considering a six-man rotation as starting on Friday. The Mets are about to play eighteen games in seventeen days. So that might mean Gazelman is in the rotation. We shall see. Mike Napoli, I mean, he will at least make a start this weekend for sure. Mike Napoli's on the DL with a back strain. Ian Happ, Scott, Ian Happ has, start, has sat two straight games. What is he, he homers twice on Sunday and then they sit him twice? That is the most annoying thing always when the manager sits the hot hand like that. When it, you know, when it's not somebody like Scooter Jeanette and he sits the hot hand. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Yeah, now let's talk really quickly about the Cubs because you look at Javier Baez, and he's d- having a better season than than Addison Russell by far. And he's actually got a pretty good slash line, but the fantasy production hasn't been there. But do you think Baez, who to me seventy five percent owned, still might be a little high? And I thought he was like we all thought he was a very overdrafted player. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think Baez could be an everyday player, have a breakout year because he's hitting better than he's ever hit? Oh, he absolutely could be a breakout, um, an everyday player. The upside for him is probably Jonathan's scope level, so it's not like I'm salivating at the opportunity for him to play every day. Um, and I don't think it would be wise for the Cubs to give up on Addison Reed yet. Russell. Because, uh, Addison Russell, sorry. <laughs> um, mixed up the Norrises, mixed up the Addisons. Mm-hmm. Because I, I still think, feel like peripherally there should be a lot of correction coming for Russell. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt a lot of players do because he wasn't very good last year either. But he's too young and too promising and, and the underlying stats 
strikeout to walk rate, the BABIP is really low. It looks like he he should have better times ahead. Okay, Carlos Rodon made a rehab start. The Diamondbacks called up Zach Godley. A.J. Pollock is running as he's recovering from a groin injury, so he's making a little bit of progress. James Paxton gave up a home run to Brian Dozier, the first home run that Paxton allowed all year. Felix Hernandez made a rehab start. Alex Wood will start this weekend. Scott Shevler was a defensive replacement, and Wellington Castillo may be back this weekend. Scotty White, let's talk about the bullpen. Tony Watson struggled again. He's got a 4.26 ERA. He had a 5.14 ERA in May. And Felipe Rivero has uh, been amazing. Six walks, 32 strikeouts in 30 innings, and I, I think he's given up one run this year. So there's Felipe Rivero in Pittsburgh. There's Pat Neshek mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Who is a better speculative ad as Neris and Watson have struggled and Rivero and Neris and Neshek have been great? Rivero is far and away the better ad. And in fact, Clint Hurdle, it was kind of like the Yankees with Tanaka. He didn't rule out the possibility of a change and specifically mentioned Rivero. He said he's a guy they've been talking about um, having a future as their closer from the time they acquired him in the Mark Melanson deal. And Rivero's numbers this year, I mean, he's he's dominated. It's been an ERA and a whip both below one. Mm-hmm. Two earned runs all year, not one earned run for Felipe Rivera, who is 27% owned. Get on it, people. Yeah, yeah. Now, Nishek has been the best reliever for the Phillies this year, but I have no idea what's going on with their bullpen. It, it seems like it, they so rarely get save opportunities that they don't have to really develop any kind of pattern. I, I would still guess Nishek, um, not Nishek, but Naris gets the next save. Okay, I'll read you what Pete McCannon said. He said that Neris' splitter isn't really working. I'm going to have to pull this up, but we can go back to that. Other other uh, bullpen notes, Ken Giles has given up four runs and two homers in his last three appearances. He blew one yesterday. I don't know if he blew a save. I think it was a tie game, but he took the – no, it was a blown he save. He blew a save. Yeah. He blew a save yesterday. Second. But it was only his second blown save all year. Yeah. And so I don't feel like he's in jeopardy. Okay, so we're okay with Giles. Yeah. Craig Kimbrell, uh, once again had more strikeouts than outs recorded because he struck <laughs> out Didi Gregorius and the ball went to the backstop. So, uh, Kimbrell recorded four outs and has five strike, had five strikeouts. I, it is unbelievable how well Craig Kimbrell's pitching. Um, Matt Bush had a terrible outing, but it was a non-save situation and his first appearance since May 31st. And Coda Glover, Coda Glover, with the save, his eighth save, and a scoreless inning at the Dodgers, and then barking at Yasiel Puig. Puig didn't like it, Scott White. Did not like it. You see it? Know, know your place, Rook. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. Something must have happened before that, because like, why would you be yelling at, at Puig when you just ended the game with a strikeout? McCannon said he was not ready to announce Nishek would take the closer's role from Neris. McCannon said Neris is struggling with his splitter. Quote, it doesn't have the same action he had last year, and we've got to figure that out, end quote. Uh, that's from the AP. Mm-hmm. Thank you, AP. You do wonderful might work. Be, might be kind of a pulling back situation like happened with Edwin Diaz. Yeah, maybe. But they are so bad, and the Pirates aren't very good either, so I don't know how many saves you're going to get from those guys, but Rivero, at the very least... You want to get the ratios in your lineup. Okay, Scott, new segment number one. Everyone wants to know about catchers. And for this segment, you're really going to have to figure out where you want to rank Wilson Ramos. I think that's basically what this is. But let's start. All right, I figured it out yesterday, so I am well prepared. Good, good. Christian in Chicago says, Dear California, Brand, and Nets. Are those, those are, oh, those are raisins. <laughs> yeah, they California are. California raisins, raisin bran, and raisin raisinets. I get it. You okay. It. <laughs> I have, I have Salvador Perez in a 10 team head to head categories league, and I know the second half cliff dive is coming. It may have already started. Heard the Wilson Ramos chat yesterday. Um, I also have Kyle Schwarber, who's catcher eligible. Actually, he was just dropped. He, he doesn't have Schwarber, but he's on the, on the waiver wire. Uh, Salvador Perez, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Ramos. How would you rank those three rest of season? Okay, so Schwarber obviously isn't eligible to catcher standard CBS leagues, but so in this hypothetical scenario, um, that won't appear in my actual rankings on the site. 
I would go Salvador Perez one, Schwarber two, and Ramos three. But I do think this is a good opportunity to really for anybody with um, a high end catcher. I don't know that I do it with Sanchez or or Posey, but um, any other catcher, even Lucroy, I think I'd be willing to pick up Wilson Ramos and shop that starting catcher, trusting that Wilson Ramos is going to be good enough for me to start the rest of the year. It's a gamble because last year was an isolated event for Ramos, and this is a significant knee injury he's coming back from while also changing his environment, shifting leagues. I mean, there are a lot of questions to be answered here, but I think catcher, considering most teams aren't getting much production from their catcher anyway, um, even if Ramos turns out to be a dud, it won't mess you up that much. He had eye surgery, right, last year, Ramos? Is that what helped him? He had LASIK? I think so. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And he hit 307 with 22 home runs. But he was slumping at the end of the year for what that's worth. He had a 627 OPS in his last 32 games after a 925 OPS in his first 99. Uh, all right, next question in everybody wants to know about catchers. Nick from Portland. I have Yasmani Grandal in a 14-team categories league. Do I drop Grandal to pick up Ramos? No. No, I would not want to do that, but... Particularly while you can still stash Ramos in a DL spot, provided you have one available. He doesn't have one. Uh huh. He doesn't have a DL slot available. Okay. I'd no, I'd rather stick with Grandal. If you could trade Grandal, it'd be great. And then you could pick up Ramos, but no, I don't. I don't think you can make that switch. From Brandon, fourteen team categories keeper league. Do I drop Real Muto for Wilson Ramos? I I responded and I said yes. What do you think? I would rather have Rio Muto. So I, I moved Ramos up to 12th, and Rio Muto is 8th for me. Category. Rondal is 6th. This is Roto. Like, Real Muto plays all the time. That helps him in points. But what about in Roto? Yeah, I, I mean, it helps him in Roto, too, because yeah. you get more RBI opportunities. You get more run scoring opportunities. I don't know that the format makes a huge difference for him. Um, so... Ramos clearly has more upside. Would you miss Real Muto if you dropped him? Probably not. But considering Ramos is still probably a couple weeks away from returning, I certainly don't think you can make that move. Okay, well, that's a yeah. good point. Uh, this is from Nate. Charles, Hey, what's up, Charles Montgomery, George, and Ken? Um, Burns. Those are Burns. Current. Okay. C. Montgomery Burns, George Burns, Ken Burns. Got it. Right? Yeah. Uh, do I drop, works. do I drop Wilson Contreras for Wilson Ramos? Um, no. No, you don't. Scott is just not feeling Wilson Ramos. No, you got him 12th, what? but these are tough I moved questions. him up to 12th. He's, he's, uh, one of the, which means in standard 12 team one catcher leagues, he needs to be owned somewhere. I think that's pretty. High praise for a guy who we haven't seen playing all play all year. Is he going to DH for the Rays? Do you think? Uh, certainly some. Yeah. Um, I just maybe wish... a lot more at the beginning. But he's been catching on his rehab assignment, so it's not like he's won't be able to catch. Let me tell you something about Wilson Contreras, Scott. Okay. This is what he's done in the last twenty eight days. Look at this slash line: three oh five. 368, 525. That's awesome. He yeah. is the number nine catcher in points leagues. I'm going to check in Roto with that slash line because he doesn't oh, play enough. It's crazy. Those 28 days? Yeah, 28 days. Okay. And he's number seven in Roto. And, like, nobody's uh, – there are some – like, Tyler Flowers has a better slash line in that stretch, but – like this is that's a tremendous stretch, but he's so far behind in at bats because you know the Cubs don't play Wilson Contreras enough, so it's frustrating. And I could understand yeah. dropping him for Ramos. I I guess I wouldn't do it either in the one league I have Contreras, but it it's not a bad. It's a good question. It's a tough call. Uh yeah, I could understand again anybody but the top four at the position. By top four, I mean Posey Sanchez. Um, 
Lucroy and Perez. I I don't think any other catcher's upside really compares to Ramos. I guess maybe Contreras' upside does, and maybe Gaddis's upside does, but both of them have playing time concerns, which complicates it. So I don't know that it's crazy to drop any other catcher outside the four for Ramos, but you still need to start a catcher until he gets back, and that first week he is back should tell us a lot about... Um, you know, kind of like Messerocco when he came back, it became clear he wasn't going to play mm-hmm. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So that that's there's still a lot of questions to be answered. And finally, Chase wants to know, what are your thoughts on Alex Avila? I like that he's batting in the two spot. Can he maintain this level of power and production throughout the season? Avila is 55% owned. He homered yesterday. He's batting 324 with nine home runs. He's had one good season in his career. It was in 2011, which was a long time ago. Since mm-hmm. 2011, his highest slugging percentage was 384. Uh, so mm-hmm. Avila is doing things we've never seen him do before, and he says he's healthy, which is big, but still, it's, it's crazy how good he's been. Um, so what are your thoughts on Alex Avila, Scott? His hard contact rate is 57.7. His soft contact rate is 4.2. I would imagine... He is among the best in baseball in both of those categories. So there isn't the way the ball is coming off his bat isn't fluky. He does seem to be part of the fly ball revolution. This is his highest fly ball percentage ever. His second highest, 2011. Now, I I, I think he said that's not a conscious effort for him, but he has talked about his legs are healthier and stronger than they've been in a long time this year, which. I mean, legs are a big part of generating power in a swing, so it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, the, the way the peripherals stack up, um, I think the production is halfway legit. I mean, it's so over the top right now that you can expect some, uh, you know, normalization to happen, but I do think he is going to be one of the more valuable offensive catchers. It's just a question of how much he plays. All right. That's Wilson Ramos. And yeah, that's a good point because James McCann. That's Alex Avila. <laughs> that's Alex Avila. Thank you. James McCann. <laughs> is coming back Thursday, I believe. So I was going to ask you, would you rather have Alex Avila or Wilson Ramos? Wilson Ramos. All righty. Thank you, Scott. That concludes our catcher discussion. The longest that we have talked about catchers since we did the catcher preview at the beginning of the season. This one's not going to take long. Rank these three. I'm going to give you three different Three-person scenarios here. Rank these three. Steven Piscotty, Nomar Mazzara, Brett Gardner. I will rank them Piscotty, Gardner, Mazzara. I might move Gardner ahead of Piscotty in a Roto League. I'm going to offer you Brett Gardner for Gregory Polanco in the Podcast League. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to reject it. Okay, then I will not offer it. Thank you for that. Thank you for saving me time. <laughs> I don't, I don't trust Gardner's going to be startable in three outfielder leagues all season, and I don't trust that Polanco is either. But I think there's more upside there. Rank these three: Andrelton Simmons, Addison Russell, Wilmer Flores, who appears to be the starting third baseman right now for the Mets. Ad- Andrelton Simmons, Addison Russell, Wilmer Flores. Rank them, I would go Russell Simmons Flores. Russell Simmons, all right. <laughs> Deaf Comedy Hour, or whatever it was called. Um, Russell, Andrelton Simmons, Wilmer Flores. Simmons is 43% owned, and I like the steals. Seven steals so far this year, and hitting very well. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised to see Simmons is one of the most added players, because he's just such a bad offensive player, but... Uh, but, normally. Yeah, normally. But the steals are, are encouraging. Do you, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not really buying it for Simmons. And he's a player who even now has like a 276 Babbitt, but he's always been a low Babbitt guy. He's never struck out that much and it hasn't seemed to matter in terms of his batting average. Line drive, ground ball, fly ball rates are all pretty much in line with last year. I think regression's coming. All right, and finally, rank these three. Cole Calhoun, Carlos Beltran, Hunter Renfro, all are hot. All are owned in right around 52, 53% of leagues. Cole Calhoun, Carlos Beltran, Hunter Renfro. I'll go Renfro, who 
he was double dong yesterday, right? He was double dong. Oh, he, a, he was. He didn't get a double dong mention. No, what the heck? I'm sorry about that. Um, so yeah, Renfro, Renfro, Calhoun, and Beltron's a distant third, but I'm pretty excited about what Renfro's doing. Last 24 games, he's batting 280 with eight home runs and eight doubles, a 1050 OPS. But most notably, 13 of his 17 walks this year have come during that 24 game stretch. And that's important not only because walks are good, but because only one of his 13 home runs this season has come when he's behind in the count. So working the count seems to be critical for his success, and lately he's been doing it. Okay, now keep something in mind with Hunter Renfro. I, I just looked at the last 21 days because we can measure that uh, in on CBSSports.com in the stats page on your in your leagues. And in the last 21 days, he's hitting 266 with six home runs. That's he's had very good production. He's the number 14 outfielder in categories formats and roto formats, but Renfro is number 21 in points. So I I know you mentioned the walks. I feel like they were kind of bunched together a little early in that stretch, and they haven't. They were quite. They were kind of bunched. Yeah, they haven't quite been consistent. Uh, so it, he's just one of those guys with with potentially bad plate discipline. That if you're penalized for that, it might hurt you with Hunter Renfro. Yes, and just to put it in perspective, I would rather have Brett Gardner than Hunter Renfro. My my relative enthusiasm for Renfro versus versus Gardner was what was uh you know was relative to what I think perception probably is right now. All right, then rank these three: Hunter Renfro, Domingo Santana, Keon Broxton. Mm, I think I might lean Domingo mm-hmm. over Renfro and then Broxton third. I'm feeling Domingo Santana right now. I don't know how long it's going to last, but very happy uh, that I'm starting him in the 18 and 0 league, which is not going to be 18 and 0 much longer. Thank you, Jacob Degrom. All right, <laughs> Scott, we're debuting a new segment: comments about raisins. Oh yeah, Jeff Lacroix. Raisins are the best. They are nature's candy. Very underrated. I like that. Yeah, I don't like the moniker Nature's Candy for raisins. It's a little I, corny. What else would be Nature's Candy? Nature doesn't need to have candy. All right, fine. Uh, from Yogan, subject line. Maple syrup. Maple, uh, okay, okay, I feel that. Subject line from Yogan is raisins. Not good. How do you eat raisins with Mexican food? I don't see any way raisins can be paired with a burrito or nachos. Debate. <laughs> Uh, and so that's the standard for whether a food's good or no, not. No, 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 no. You're forgetting. I said yesterday that raisins can can go with anything. Raisins are good with anything. Anything. So he is you know, challenging me. I think the magic of raisins, which again, I don't like eating raisins on their own. I do. But I think it's best exemplified with raisin bran, which is one of my favorite cereals. However, if I get a bite of just bran or I get a bite of just raisins. It's disgusting. <laughs> oh no. It, the way was, they mix, they, I, they, they work together in perfect harmony. The sweetness of the raisins overcomes the bitterness of the bran. Yeah. And it makes something magical. It's a great point. I was with you until you said if you get a bite of only raisins. But yes, a, a bite of only bran is pretty brutal. I would say this about raisins in Mexican food. I really think you should try it. I think you would enjoy it. I've never done it, but I can, I, like, it'd be fine. It's just like putting a little sugar on something. Like they're, they're just great. And I, I think raisins, and pineapple are very similar. Like you say to me, oh, you can't put raisins on pizza. Well, you put pineapple on pizza and it's delicious. So raisins. Yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you. probably right. Just because we haven't done it before doesn't mean it wouldn't work. Uh, this is from Christopher. Subject, raisins, caps and an exclamation point, raisins. Damn near ruined a family Thanksgiving. If you put them in stuffing, I want nothing to do with you. How do you have one freaking <laughs> bowl of stuffing and put raisins in it? Luckily, ShopRite was open. Pepperidge Farm to the rescue. I've had stuffing with raisins in it. It's pretty good. Of course it's good, Christopher. Get over it. All right, Kyle from Michigan. Raisins? Really, Adam? Raisins go with every dish? You want raisins with spaghetti, pizza, tacos, or or a gyro, just to name a few? That's crazy talk, LOL. As Heath would say, raisins are woof. Now, I, I think raisins could work... With any of these, like, like you said, pineapple, I've, I've had like a quesadilla with pineapple in it, and I, it, it would probably be comparable. The, the key, like, you can't just stick dry raisins in there. They need to be, um, 
you know, they they need to have the proper they need to be warm, they need to be moist, they need to be the way raisins are when they're cooked. So you can't just stick, you know, pour a box of raisins in a taco. But I think it could work. <laughs> yes, right. That's the thing. Raisins are a delicacy. You can prepare them a certain way. Uh, Jeremy says you must be a raisin brand kind of guy. I think you just found out we are. And Leah um, gave me a link to the Fresno Raisin Eaters, and they were a minor league baseball team that played in the Pacific Coast League in 1906. The Fresno Raisin Eaters. Lovely stuff. Back to baseball, Scott White. Do you have anything to say about Max Scherzer? Uh, we talked about Robbie Ray. Max Scherzer, James Paxton, or Chris Archer? Uh, no. Good. No. No. Archer or Degrom? I would still take Degrom. I think I'll look closer at that this afternoon, but I think I'd still take Degrom. I would have to say Archer's safer. Yes. But but ERA could be a big win for DeGrom if he gets things straightened out. All right. There are a lot of, you know, quote-unquote fringy starting pitchers. Some of them are owned in 80, 90% of leagues, but still, at least they were fringy recently. Drew Pomerantz had a very interesting start. He struck out seven Yankees, gave up one earned run, two earned, two total runs, in five innings. John Farrell, you are crazy. What were you thinking? <laughs> 123 pitches. In five innings, he labored. It wasn't like he was cruising along and threw 123 in eight innings. This is a guy who has a history of elbow issues, and you threw him 123 pitches. And this is the dumbest part. He gets to four and two-thirds at like 112 pitches, and now Aaron Judge is up. And Judge had already walked and singled against him. And he's one of the best hitters in baseball right now. Just take him out. Getting the win was so important. You had to let him go five innings. No, of course he gives up a, a laser double to judge, and then he throws more pitches to Holiday. He throws 123 pitches. I would be very nervous about starting Drew Pomeranz next time out, but he did pitch pretty damn well, and he's pretty nasty, so that was good. He's He's been great lately. Um, it's a two-star week, right? So yes. So if you're in a weekly league, you can – You'll get to see how he performs next time out before deciding on him next week. Yeah, and I, I have a hard, hard time believing anybody's going to sit him after how well he's been pitching lately. But I just – I could not believe – the only explanation is they wanted to get him the win because he wasn't going to throw five innings, and it's just not worth it. Did he get the win? Yeah, he got the win. But it's just – So I'm guessing his fantasy owners today are are pleased with Farrell's decision. It may be short-sighted, maybe. Nothing crazy. may come of this also. So, I don't know. I can't get as worked up about it as you can, uh, but 123 pitches is an awful lot, particularly for a pitcher with an injury history. Well, and then you got Aaron Judge coming up who's hit him well, who's, who's walked and singled, and then he doubles. Okay, take him out of the game now. No, they're going to leave him in to pitch to Matt Holiday. I think the count went full. <laughs> he struck him out. All right, anyway, Adam Wainwright is 94% owned. He got uh, crushed yesterday. He yeah. gave one home run to Jeanette. <laughs> uh, uh, just one? Yeah, he only gave up one Jeanette home run. Uh, Antonio Sensatella, good start again. Quality start at home, 88% owned. Aaron Nola, 79% owned. And Chase Anderson, 80% owned. And Denelson Lamette, 80% owned. Anderson was excellent again, and Lamette got crushed. So let me give you those names, and you tell me how you'd prioritize them. Wainwright, Sensatella, Nola, Chase Anderson, Denelson Lamet. I would go Nola. Gonna stick with Lamet second there. Chase Anderson. And then that's that's probably where I draw the line for standard mixed leagues. Um, okay, so no Wainwright. I, myself. No, I, no. I know Sensatella and Wainwright, the threshold, the ownership threshold is you know, they're they're owned in basically everywhere also, but I'd be looking to Trade Sensatella. He has an eight and two record now. Yeah, second most wins in baseball behind Keiko for Sensatella. Yeah, so I I still don't trust that with the lack of strikeouts he's going to hold up pitching half his games at Coors Field. And Wainwright was not really buying the return to form. Um, I I'm surprised he's ninety four percent on still to be honest. All these guys are two star pitchers, I think. So I think that helps. But yeah, how about Chase Anderson? So so you said. Well, you said Nola, Anderson. Lamette and Anderson. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah. But it's close between Anderson and Lamette. I'm, I'm getting a little more confident in Anderson after this start, even though he only struck out four. Um, the velocity was at its highest point that start against the Diamondbacks, where just out of nowhere he gained a couple miles per hour on his fastball. It's dropped off a little from that the last two starts, but those three starts are still his hardest throwing starts of the season. Mm -hmm. So it does seem like he's found an extra gear here. He's also added two pitches since last season, featuring a curveball and a cutter more. So there are reasons to think this is a genuine breakthrough for him. And with all the pitching needs around baseball, the fact he's going seven innings consistently... I think he's basically must own now. Chase Anderson, okay, eighty percent on. Would you rather have Chase Anderson or Gio Gonzalez? I would rather have Anderson. Wow. Okay. I think you don't have to drop Gio, but trade Gio if you can. Yep. Yeah. I would call him a sell high. Fringy starting pitchers part two. Tell me if any of these guys are better than let's say Chase Anderson. Brandon McCarthy, seventy one percent own. Mike Clevenger, Jaime Garcia, Jesse Hahn, Kevin Gosman, Jesse Chavez, Daniel Norris, Tim Adelman. Nobody's better than Anderson, but Brandon McCarthy's not far behind, uh, largely because of the supporting cast and the fact he eats innings. Oh, there's health concerns there, but still. Clevenger and Garcia, they're on my radar in mixed leagues. I don't think either are must-own, but Garcia has uh, reliability going for him, and Clevenger's had a good strikeout rate. The one who's kind of interesting here, and he's the least-owned by far, is Tim... Edelman, just because the last three starts have been so good. Not a big strikeout guy. You look at his minor league track record, there's you know, not a lot to get excited about there. But keeping my eye on him, 8% owned does seem too low for the way he's pitched recently. I think it, at least in NL-only leagues, he should probably be owned at this point. Scott, we are just about out of time, so let's quickly grade some trades. I, again, I wanted to do this earlier in the show, but I just felt like today was one of those days where we really had to Break down baseball with uh, everything that happened on Tuesday night. John in Boston, grade the trade. It's a head-to-head, 12-team head-to-head categories league. Give Chris Bryant, woo, Chris Bryant and Lance McCullers get Manny Machado and John Lester. Give Bryant and McCullers get Machado and Lester. Hmm. That's... Is pretty close to a C. I might lean C plus just because Machado's shortstop eligible. But um that's obviously two players on that side who haven't performed up to expectations this year, so it's a little scary. I'll I'll say it's a C. This is from Garrett. I have Miguel Sano and a lot of outfield depth, and I have Kyle Seeger at third base. Do you think trading Sano for a pitcher like Lester or McCullers is possible? Uh mm-hmm. you think it's possible and would you do yeah. it? Yeah, I think it's possible. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's worth a try. And you'd do it, right? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I, I like Seager more long term. I think Sano best is for this year is probably behind him already. I think it makes sense. West from NorCal, grade the trade, ten team head to head categories league. Give Kendris Morales, get Gregory Polanco. Um Yeah, go for the upside there, so I'll give it a B. This is from Steve in Greensboro, Maryland. Grade the trade in a 12-team categories league. Give Robbie Ray and Matt Harvey. Give up Robbie Ray and Matt Harvey. Get Justin Verlander and Brad Brock. Ray and Harvey for Verlander and Brock. He has uh, Britain on the DL. So I don't think Brock's going to be closing for that much longer. Britain's nearing a return, but... um... Near, like he hasn't begun a rehab assignment yet, but just a couple weeks away probably. Uh, Verlander's the best player in this deal, and I normally favor the side getting the best player. Yeah, I'd take him over Robbie Ray. Harvey's expendable at this point, so I'll give it a a uh, B plus. It's not a bad idea to get Brad Brock if you're the Britain owner, just for yeah, insurance. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Insurance is important. Thank you, Scott White. All right, another uh, another scam show down, and we're expecting Heath back tomorrow. Uh, are we still crushing it in the in the categories league? So far, so far though, we have a lot of ground to make up in strikeouts. 
Tony got a lot of strikeouts uh, yesterday. We got Kershaw today. We'll be fine. Kershaw Strasburg today. Looking forward to that. We'll talk about it tomorrow on Thursday's edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. See you later, everybody.